2: luck and load this is steve dace the steve day
0: show happy monday merry presidential debate eve because depending on how it goes tomorrow night it might be the only one we get Greetings, this is the Steve Dace Show here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I'm Steve Dace, Totters, and Aaron McIntyre. They are here with me as well. 888 is the number. If you would like to join us today, you can also email the program, steve at That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter over at Steve Dace Show. Steve Dace is how you can follow us on Parlor And then YouTube.com slash Steve Dace. Or no, Dace right? Is it Steve
3: Dace? Uh, it's Steve. Dace. It is Steve. Dace. Yeah. Sorry.
0: YouTube.com slash Steve Dace. That is the U- Joe Biden moment there. That is the YouTube channel that you can check out, get free clips of the show that you can sample yourself and then share with others. If you would like also my new book, a nefarious Carol is dropping on December the 15th. It is the sequel to my 2016 book, a nefarious plot that we are currently adapting into a motion picture. And we're going to begin, by the way, a book study on A Nefarious Plot for Theology Thursday coming up starting this week. So if you've never read that book or don't have a copy of it yet, or if you want to get a pre-order for A Nefarious Carol, it's sequel that comes out just in time for Christmas on December the 15th. You can do both right now at Amazon.com. Again, the new book, A Nefarious Carol, dropping on December the 15th. Also... Tomorrow night, as we've already mentioned, is the first and perhaps only presidential debate between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. It's such a big deal that I am actually leaving a 10 square mile radius of my home, and I don't do that for just anything. You should know, right? I mean, if there was something pumpkin spice across town that I couldn't get here locally in the burbs, I might Make the trek, but it's it's got to be a big deal like that. Well, it's such a big deal. I'm heading down to Texas for it to be a part of the debate coverage for the Blaze. If you want to watch our Blaze, our, our Blaze debate coverage tomorrow, great time to become a Blaze TV subscriber. Use the promo code DEBATE. Use the promo code DEBATE and get $20 off your annual subscription if you aren't yet a member of Blaze TV. BlazeTV.com is where you can go. Use the promo code DEBATE to watch all of our debate coverage tomorrow, including yours truly, promo code DEBATE at BlazeTV.com. All right, coming up next hour on the show, it's our Monday Town Hall that we do each week. This week, it's our monthly Facebook Ask Me Anything edition. Todd has carefully or just randomly, who knows, uh, selected the questions from our Facebook page that uh, we will be answering coming up in the next hour of the program. I have not seen them in advance. I have no idea what is coming. So you will get complete and total off-the-cuff answers. Our good friend Bob Vanderplotz from The Family Leader will be joining us here at the bottom of the hour. We'll talk to him about the Supreme Court nomination the president made, which I'm sure will
3: also be included in Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away what happened while we were away, brought to you by an historic moment.
1: Today it is my honor to nominate one of our nation's most brilliant and gifted legal minds to the Supreme Court. She is a woman of unparalleled achievement, towering intellect, sterling credentials, and unyielding loyalty to the Constitution, Judge Amy Coney Barrett.
3: Yes, the notorious ACB is Trump's pick to fill the Supreme Court seat vacated by the late Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Judge Barrett, once again, introduced herself to the country.
2: I have all of this
4: because I was allowed bodily autonomy at 15.
3: Oops, sorry, wrong clip.
4: I love the United States, and I love the United States Constitution. I clerked for Justice Scalia more than 20 years ago. But the lessons I learned still resonate. His judicial philosophy is mine too. A judge must apply the law as written. Our children obviously make our life very full. While I am a judge, I'm better known back home as a room parent, carpool driver and birthday party planner. When schools went remote last spring, I tried on another hat. Jesse and I became co-principals of the Barrett E-Learning Academy. And yes, the list of enrolled students was a very long one. I couldn't manage this very full life without the unwavering support of my husband, Jesse. At the start of our marriage, I imagined that we would run our household as partners. As it has turned out, Jesse does far more than his share of the work. To my chagrin, I learned at dinner recently that my children consider him to be the better cook. It is important, at a moment like this, to acknowledge family and friends. But this evening, I also want to acknowledge you, my fellow Americans. The President has nominated me to serve on the United States Supreme Court And that institution belongs to all of us. Al Sharpton, your thoughts? That was the least diverse audience I've ever seen an announcement like this made (laughs) in my life. I looked around, I was glad her two kids did come out, because I couldn't find too many other people of color in that audience.
3: Hollywood blue checkmark David Mandel tweets, please stop calling her ACB, it demeans RBG and the rest of us. Democrat operative Chris Jackson tweets, conservatives calling this woman ACB make me sick. She will never be RBG. Ibram X. Kendi of the Atlantic tweets regarding Amy Coney Barrett's adopted children, quote, Some white colonizers adopted black children. They civilized these savage children in the superior ways of the white people while using them as props in their lifelong pictures of denial while cutting the biological parents of these children out of the picture of humanity. New York Times Magazine contributor Vanessa Gregoriadis tweets, I guess one of the things I don't understand about Amy Coney Barrett is how a potential Supreme Court can also be a loving present mom to seven kids. Is this like the Kardashians stuffing nannies in the closet and pretending they've drawn their own baths for the kids? Moving on, Project Veritas dropped another explosive yet completely unsurprising story over the weekend involving a ballot harvesting scheme, a cash for votes scheme, and Congresswoman Elon Omar.
1: James O'Keefe here in downtown Minneapolis at the scene of the crime... The person you're about to meet, Liban Mohammed, aka King Liban One, boasts about the hundreds of absentee ballots in his car.
3: Numbers don't lie. Numbers don't lie. What
2: you absentee ballots? Yeah. There was video, you could see the video, there was a video out and about that
0: he has the ballots in his car. Right. And talking about the only way you can win is with money. I was looking at them and they were not filled. They were blank. Who is the one filling out the absentee ballots? So, yeah, people who work
2: uh, with like Han Omar. Where do they pay the money? The, the minute we signed the thing, the election, that's what you get
3: paid. Days of Our Coronavirus Lives update. Dr. Anthony Fauci is not happy about having a contrarian in the White House like Dr. Scott Atlas.
0: You know, I thought that it was extraordinarily inappropriate for him in a press conference like that uh, to contradict the director of CDC as opposed to saying, you know, it's a complicated issue and I think I'd like to sit down and, and discuss this with the people from the CDC. And then what has happened is that, you know, he's a smart guy, no doubt about it, but he tends to cherry pick data. And for every time he says that, I can show you a paper, uh, some of which have just literally come out in the next, in the past few days, that show
3: that this issue of, if you look at antibodies that people developed Against coronaviruses and a common cold, they don't cross-react. Checking in on Joe Biden's debate prep. For example, the Paycheck Protection Act. You
2: know, one percent of the money's gone out. One percent,
0: one percent of the—that's uh, not the paycheck. The 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 um,
4: uh, the uh, the bill for small for major it's for Main small businesses. Mainstream lending. Mainstream lending. One percent's gone out.
1: That's why I made it a priority, my entire
0: career, to work closely with you, from the time I got to the Senate. 180 years ago.
3: <laughs> and finally, this. If you've watched the show for any amount of time, you'll know that in my role as millennial curmudgeon, I'm not prone to being a Pollyanna about almost anything. In fact, I delve into the opposite direction probably too often of abject pessimism. But there was one moment on Saturday that caused even me to have quite a bit of hope for this country. On Saturday morning, media gathered outside of the home of Amy Coney Barrett, her husband, and seven children doing their best paparazzi impression as they caught the entire family leaving their South Bend, Indiana home to board a jet to Washington, D.C., where Barrett would later formally be nominated to the Supreme Court. As the family walked along the sidewalk to their cars, cameras caught something truly remarkable. You can see the Barrett's adopted son from Haiti, Jean-Peter, holding the hand of one of the Barrett's biological sons, Benjamin, who has Down syndrome, as they laugh and smile. If it weren't for the color of the skin, you'd just think these were two brothers from the same mother having a good time as they embark on a special trip somewhere. What other country does that family dynamic happen in? What other country can that happen in? And furthermore, what are the chances that that family dynamic is taking place in the home of one of nine positions of power on the Supreme Court? What are the chances, unless it's actually just a reflection of at least some sliver of this country? It's a reminder, while this world is not good, and the soul of this country may very well not be good, there is some good in this world. And as Samwise Gamgee said, it's worth fighting for. And that's what happened while we were away.
0: Aaron's Montage brought to you by Simply Safe. Now, here's the thing about home security systems they like to trap you with high prices, tricky contracts, maybe even lousy customer support. So while there are a lot of options out there, There's really only one no-brainer, and it's called Simply Safe. and there's a reason why it was named the best overall home security of 2020 by U.S. News and World Report. First of all, it's so simple to set up. Even I was able to do it in a reasonable amount of time. It's got everything you need to protect your home with none of the drawbacks of traditional home security. Uh, You've got a fleet of sensors and cameras that blanket every room, window, and door, specifically tailored for your home, and again, we have that at our house, and, and I was able to set that up, and that's not normally my thing. Uh, no contract, no pushy sales guy, no hidden fees, no fine print. How about it just all starts for $15 a month, and you go up from there, depending on what bells and whistles you prefer. All right, so I'm not the only one who thinks Simply Safe is great. I just told you. That's why they were rated the number one home security system of 2020. So right now, get a free HD camera free HD camera when you go to simplysafe.com truth Simplysafe, simply safe simplysafe.com slash truth bombs and get a free HD camera if you decide to sign up with simply safe simplysafe.com slash truth bombs in the overtime today we're gonna get into um, some of the latest covid19 data and farsities with our old friend Jordan shachtel and I, I mean um if 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 Scott Atlas succeeds in drawing Robert Redfield and Anthony fauci out into the open in a direct confrontation let's just say I'm gonna have to see what the wife is doing tonight you know what I'm saying because i've been I've been I've been waiting for that one for I was beginning to think maybe I was going to have to do it i mean i've been I've been I've been waiting for that one for about five months. Okay. Let's get ready to rumble. Yeah. I'm 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 in for that. That I would pay the price of admission for that. Yes. Okay. It's high noon. Yes. So, we'll get into that with our good friend Jordan Shackter coming up later today for our Blaze TV subscribers. In the overtime and again, great time to subscribe right now. $20 off your subscription, which takes it down to like 6 or 7 bucks a month for a year. If you go to blaze tv.coms and use the promo code debate Promo code DEBATE to get all of our debate coverage tomorrow, which I will be a part of down there in Dallas. BlazeTV.com, promo code DEBATE. Now, let's get to the rest of what's in the montage. And I want to begin by what is not in there. Did you miss a story that matters over the weekend? Nope. No, he didn't. He missed a story. But that's not what I asked him. Is that what I asked him? One that matters. Yeah, I asked him, did you miss a story that matters? And he said, no. I, 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 sometimes I just think I'm in the wrong gig. I, I, what happened on Saturday with that announcement? I mean, it was beautiful, man. I watched the entire thing. And there was like compelling college football on. but I decided to turn it over there to see what the announcement would look like. And then once it began, I found it compelling. I found her on a personal level compelling. She's not just brilliant. She's a sweetie. I mean, she's charming. They are going to have a, they're going to have a very difficult time with her in their confirmation hearings because she's smart and sweet and not going to lend itself to a lot of trapdoor moments with with that packaging. Um, as Aaron noted in his montage at the end, there, just a a beautiful portrait of of her family. Uh, she spoke only for about ten minutes. Honored as the Constitution. Um, honored her predecessor Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Honored her. Mentor, Antonin Scalia, honored motherhood, honored her husband, honored working women, including her own nanny. I mean, she did all that in about 10 minutes. And that was it. And Trump, of course, knowing let's not miss a photo op here, had the entire family come up for the photo op at the end. And this thing only lasted 15, 20 minutes tops they didn't belabor the point they didn't have to i mean when 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 reggie jackson hits a home run in the, in the world series and he's mr october he just has to round the bases one time right and that's what they did i mean this was perfectly done it was beautiful weather i mean they could not i mean the 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 democrat media catching them leaving I, I I really want to hope that actually the White House planted that because even that visual was perfectly. Everything about it. I can normally find something to complain about. You know that. Other here's my complaint. It made me miss more of the college football games in the afternoon than I was planning on because I watched i was I found it compelling. I watched every minute of it until they until they signed off. The reactions that came out that night, the mocking of her children, that's exactly what the White House was provoking. Exactly what it wanted. The mocking of her is not really a woman. Everything went exactly. If I was in Trump, and, and yes, there's another debate about how good of a justice she will be. I I have been told from people whose opinions I respect, at worst she'll be an Alito. At worst. And I clearly believe, or I believe she's clearly superior to the previous two SCOTUS justices he's nominated. Although the last one he nominated, I think, is and will be a disaster. And he should have nominated this woman instead of Brett Kavanaugh last time. And Neil Gorsuch is okay. You know, like a lot of libertarians, he's okay. He's really good on the stuff that he's really good on. And on the other stuff, you're like, how did you even come up with the opinion that we now have to treat gender dysphoria as a protected class, right? Okay. So Neil Gorsuch is not as good as you had hoped Brett Kavanaugh is worse than you probably feared uh, she will be clearly superior um, there's i'm sure better out there our friend Josh Hammer mentioned his old boss James Ho on the US court of appeals but there is no this is one of the biggest right word swings in a singular judicial uh, scotus nomination in american history I mean, the difference from where Ruth Bader Ginsburg is to where this woman is, I mean, it is. Wow. Okay. This was a banner moment for this White House. So, of course, it just so happens. Wouldn't you know? I mean, if we didn't have Wuhan luck in 2020, we'd have no luck at all. Wouldn't you know, man? I mean, ah, snap again. Okay. It just so happened that after the the ode to americana joy on saturday and the left showing its ass in every way that the trump white house was hoping that they would and expected that they that they did it just so happened i mean who oh no, know that the new york times just happened to be stumbling rumbling bumbling out there in the hinterlands of of of, of manhattan and they just happen to come across Trump's tax returns. when you know? I mean, it's just the odds of that, like the day after this announcement. I mean, you know, you've worked in newsrooms, Todd. You know how random this stuff is, right? Just shows up on your doorstep, right? Like the, like three minute a baby. The baby just shows up at the front door. When you go to the front door, you weren't playing. Totally random acts. Random acts of, of muckraking just occur in these newsrooms all the time, right?
2: I'm going to have to leave... The nimble minds who, you know, understand that there's six hundred and sixty six genders right. and believe you should wear masks in at the beach right. and that it's uh you bring racial harmony to the world by burning down cities. I'm gonna let them get into the weeds of the U.S. tax code of Donald Trump because it's clearly beyond me. I'm just gonna choose not to care and let them figure this one out. I, I'm
0: <laughs> well said. I, I'm not surprised that a story they've probably been sitting on for weeks, if not months, just happened to drop on Sunday what i want to also be what i would i'd prefer to not be surprised by though is that too many of my peers just decided well hey that amy coney barrett win was nice on saturday but uh all aboard all aboard the new fake news narrative we got to counter it why 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 i there there is we, is the IRS still around? Do we have an IRS? Do you know? Is there an IRS?
2: I think so. Okay.
0: All right. So we have an IRS. Did we not just have like an independent council probe that it went into a bunch of that, that that had all these, had this massive subpoena power and subpoena Deutsche Bank and all these? Didn't we just have this Mulder probe thing? Didn't we have all of that?
2: I recall that. Yeah, I thought yes. we had that too. Okay. I,
0: I don't know what it is about this industry that we just, there's literally no canard they could throw out that we will just not abandon our own narrative in order to respond to a month ago. Remember the jobs report? Remember that? Yes. Stunning jobs report. I mean, he's close to the unemployment rate that Barack Obama got reelected with in 2012. And that's after a historic shutdown of the U S economy. worse since the great depression, but it was like, it never happened. Like that story never occurred. I don't even remember what we were kvetching about. Do you remember? I don't,
3: I was was trying to think about that same thing this morning and I could not remember
0: whatever the Democrat media threw out there right at the time of the jobs report it was I remember it was Labor Day weekend that's when the the jobs report comes out the first Friday of every month so Friday before Labor Day jobs report comes out it's sub nine percent almost what Obama's was when he got reelected in 2012 a stunning decline remember we were you guys were asking me what's he got to do get reelected?" I said guys somehow he's got to get this thing they're like under double digits, right? Yep. And you guys looked at me like, that's never happening. We're, we're screwed, right? Didn't we have that conversation like right before that jobs report? Yeah. And then it came out, stunning news. And conservative media spent the entire Labor Day weekend. I don't even remember what the story was. I don't. And I've got like a photographic memory. I just so tuned it out. I don't remember. One of my best buddies in our movement, who a name you would all know, texted me. Have you seen the rantings of these never Trump people? Uh, What's left of them on Trump's taxes? And I wrote them back. No, I muted them all. They're irrelevant. And why would I let them distract me from my own message? I I didn't care who Rick Wilson was before 2016 when I even agreed with him about Trump. I care even less now. I, I don't care. Rick Wilson hates people like me, always has. I've been opposing people like Rick Wilson in primaries for years, long before Donald Trump ever came down the damn Manhattan escalator. I don't no, I'm not obsessed. I don't care. I don't care what Bill Crystal thinks. I don't care. Do you remember that time that we had the conservative holdouts? We never, I don't think we ever mentioned this on air. I'm going to do it for the first time today. Do you remember, I won't say who orchestrated the calls because it's somebody that we should all have a lot of respect for, but a real conservative leader was orchestrating calls with conservatives that were real conservatives that were that were really, really hesitant about supporting Trump, given his issues in 2016 after he became the apparent nominee. Do you remember that I was on a couple of those calls? Yeah. Do you remember the one where our featured guest was Bill Kristol? And I came to you after that call, and I said, dude, Bill Crystal was on this call. I'm starting to think maybe I should not do the next call.
2: I do remember Do you remember that? that? Yes. Because I'm
0: like, I mean, Bill Crystal, I'm sure, is a nice guy, but he's like disagreed with me about the direction of the party, the movement most of my career I've been opposed to whatever candidate Bill Crystal is for, right? And you and I were like, maybe you maybe those aren't, I, I, I didn't do any more calls. That was the last call I ever did of this group. I never did any more because I'm like, I don't know. Still not sure about Trump, but I'm not sure I'm on the, I should be aggressively promoting the alternative if I'm working on a call with Bill Crystal here because him and I aren't normally on the same conference calls. Remember that? Yeah. And I don't know why Why are we letting them do this again? No one who would think for three seconds about voting for Trump cares. No one. I remember something Mike Huckabee once said that when he was governor of Arkansas, he told people, hey, if you think that that, that I've cut taxes too much, and he he did this on the the Arkansas state return, he put a, a line in there that you could pay more if you thought your taxes were too low. Guess how many people in the state of Arkansas which gave the country the Clintons. Guess how many people voluntarily submitted more money on that line while all all the years my, Mike Huckabee was governor of Arkansas. Do you know what the number is? Low number. It's a really low one. What's the lowest number? What's the low one? Zero. Yeah, that's how many did it. Zero. Yeah. No one voluntarily paid more. We have an IRS. If he's violated the tax code, then refer it to prosecution. Other than that, all you guys really did was make an argument that it would be better off with like a flat tax or a fair tax, rather than all these different deductions and this cockamamie system that we have right now. You made a hell of an argument for tax reform, frankly. What you also did, though, was get a lot of my peers off our message, responding to them, dude. At this point, tomorrow Trump announces cure for cancer. Day after, New York Times: Trump, Trump rips off mattress tax. We are going to totally abandon that cancer cure message and just go with, this is an antiquated law. It's older than Joe Biden's memory, right? That, you laugh. Don't laugh. But it is what we would do. There is no leg they could flash that we would not come hither to Their narrative. We just, as a movement, refuse to use all these massive platforms we have built to actually affirmatively advance our own narrative. We're in a civil war we're not talking to the same people they're talking to they're talking to a totally different country totally different voters totally different demographics that is not to say there's never a time to engage their narrative and counter it it's just not every time it's not every time you know when you approach that hottie at the bar Maybe every now and then it's nice to tell her how bad the other guy is. But if every time you walk up to her, you're only talking about the other guy, what is she going to probably eventually do?
2: Go with the other I guy. I
0: might check out what this other guy is if he's that much in your head. Right? What, what are you selling? What, 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 what are you bringing to the table here? What are you about? What's your narrative? What's your message? What's your story? That's all we ever do is respond to their narratives. We don't advance our own so, wow. so we just come out of this weekend with a head of steam, man—an American Gothic painting who happened to clerk for Scalia. So, of course, the only strategic response could be: let's chase the seven-year, the five-year-old Trump taxes canard. Come on, man! Goodness, and it must be what you folks want, because the people that are doing it all have like much larger followings than me. So I can only deduce that this is actually what a lot of our base wants. They, they just they're driven more by hatred of Democrat media than their own affirmative value set. And they just want to own the libs. Another fake news. We exposed them again. Well, if we're not doing it to advance anything, I, then what's the point? Maybe this is a great business model, but it's a crap way to win a civil war. I can tell you that. And it's not really good at winning elections and certainly not advancing public policy. They would love to talk about Trump's taxes and they don't care how many times you debunk their stories, how many times you go through the needles in the haystack and find nothing. Because you know what you're not talking about? Amy Coney Barrett. Anthony Fauci's fraud ass. I, gosh, man. And if that's what it takes to get to like the high rent district in this business, I'm never doing it. Ever. Never. I'll just stay nice and content here in the upper middle class. Because I got into this to beat these people. Not regurgitate their BS. Man, I'm so mad watching that the last 24 hours. It's just stupid. Stupid, stupid, stupid we're totally off message again you think it's, you think they just found these taxes on Saturday afternoon come on man see I warned you having me on your team ain't easy cause I don't become sycophant when I put on your jersey if anything I become more critical thinking cause now I'm vested and wanna win I wanna win this doesn't do that though All right, I've calmed down, slightly. <laughs> Todd's like, not really. I have uh, that effect on people. <laughs> you are, you have a soothing personality, indeed. Yeah. Now I've, I've I've calmed down again as we take the bait, the banana in the tailpipe, and allow the Democrat media to change the subject right when the story and the narrative is exactly what we want and we take the bait again. I've, I've ranted on that, so I'm now gonna practice what I preach and we're gonna get back to our own narrative, especially when it's good. And for that, we welcome in our good friend from the fame leader here, uh, Bob Vander Plaats. Good to see you, brother, how are you?
1: I'm doing really well, glad to be here. Glad I can calm you down.
0: We're gonna talk uh, most of our time here about Amy Coney Barrett and what her addition could and will mean to the Supreme Court. But I would be remiss if I didn't, and let's just get it out of the way now. Th- tomorrow night's presidential debate. I don't wanna ask any leading questions whatsoever. Just you're off the cuff. 10,000-foot view of uh, what you expect to see and what you think is at stake?
1: Well, I think it's a real opportunity for President Trump. Uh, It's an opportunity to get his message unfiltered to a national audience. I think many people are going to be taking in this debate. Some of them are like, who do I vote for? I mean, you're going to have the Trump fans, you'll have the Biden fans probably watching it. I think it's going to be a highly rated debate. My concern, I said this to a neighbor over the weekend, said to some team members last week, Everybody keeps putting that bar for Joe Biden so low that if he just says his name correctly, he wins the debate. He doesn't fall asleep as Sarah Sarah Sanders said. If he doesn't fall asleep in the debate, he wins. Uh, This guy's been in politics for 47 years, Mm -hmm. which means he's had a lot of debates, not just on the Senate floor, but in campaigns as well. I would not put the bar that low. I'd put the bar very high for candidate Biden, and let's have a fair debate. But I think that the bar is so low that this guy doesn't even know what ne- what the word that he wants to say is next, uh, I think he's going to come off better than anticipated.
0: See, I agree with you. I, I was on uh, Glenn Beck's show right before our show began here this morning. And, I, I mean, I've been on a debate prep team for a presidential candidate. I've been in the spin room for a presidential candidate on that team. It's all an expectations game. Sure. How is. do you manage them going in? How do, you, how do you get around the question that you know is your weakness, your kryptonite, so you don't get cornered? And how can you change uh, the conversation to the issues in the areas where you think you're stronger? And then how do you uh, manage those expectations when you get into the spin room afterwards? To preemptively, and I'm not even talking about Democrat media, a lot of, a lot of conservative media has, made, has preemptively done the Biden campaign a favor. I mean, at this point, if he shows up as I sent to Glenn Bob, and he doesn't look up at the sky, grab his chest in the middle of, it and say, "This is the big one, Alice," uh, and and if he breathes, if he breathes successfully, yeah. he gets to call it a win. I don't understand the the this isn't you know the 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 preemptive lowering of expectations, um, I, because now you also tell him if he just goes in there and he and he's good tomorrow night, and and competent then I don't know why he would do another debate. Why wouldn't you just simply say, I'm not showing up anymore until Trump releases his tax returns and doesn't pay taxes, the guy's too corrupt, he's the most corrupt president we've ever had, blah, 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 blah. In fact, if Joe Biden does well tomorrow night and there is another presidential debate, every member of his staff should be fired in 10 minutes. Why why keep exposing yourself and your dementia if you already pulled it off the first time?
1: Yeah, and to his his point, he'd say, I'm ready in the end zone, I'm going to win this game, why do I want to risk anymore? But, Steve, even your point about even our own media, even our own team, uh, so to speak, when when President Trump tweeted out yesterday about having uh, Joe Biden drug tested, if Biden does well, if he, and if he voluntarily submits to a drug test, and goes, listen, I wasn't on drugs. Um, all that stuff works against us. I, I would keep hiring the bar for him, not lowering the bar. Mm-hmm. I would keep talking about his experience uh, in debates, and this should be his sweet spot right now. Uh, but I'm just afraid we have, we've already lowered that bar so low, uh, he has it doesn't have to do much to cross over it.
0: Agreed. So let's let's talk about something that I think is a universal positive. There can be a debate whether there were better judges, whether there were even better female judges, but I, I don't think it can be debated that this is a massive upgrade over the president's first two Supreme Court nominees, particularly the last one in Brett Kavanaugh. I don't think it can be debated. That this is going to be one of the most rightward swings in one judicial nomination in the history of the United States Supreme Court. Nor do I think it can be debated that the event that was put on, all of it, from catching her, leaving her home with uh, her, you know, uh, Rainbow Coalition, American Gothic family, uh, and, and, and the... The way that the White House put off uh, put on the event on Saturday, her remarks, which were short, poignant to this, uh, to the uh, to the point, uh, she checked every box and she didn't, and she came across as, as a sweetie at the exact same time. Which, if you're sitting over there and you're in in the on the G- Democrat and the Judiciary Committee, you're trapped. Your media is losing their minds over her, so you have to attack her, but you know what the blowback is going to be if you do. She's probably smarter than you, and she's certainly more likable, okay? Um, so, I mean, that was that was a, 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 a round-tripper. I mean, that was a walk-off home run for both Amy Coney Barrett and the White House on Saturday.
1: Oh, without question. And I think what is it gave everybody who voted for President Trump or who was considering as a conservative voting for President Trump again, uh, this is why you elected him, to appoint Supreme Court justices. And by appointing Amy Coney Barrett, uh, that was kind of the slam dunk, as you said. That was the the walk-off home run. And she did. She knocked it out of the park. And she even talked about how much she values the Constitution. You know, we've been longing for those those words to come out of a judicial appointee's uh, mouth as much as well as a justice's mouth so that I really value the Constitution. And then to see the very segment that Trump is really uh, struggling with in the polling being the, the suburban- it has been
0: a war for suburban women yeah. for the last four yeah. years.
1: The suburban yep. soccer mom, and here she comes off as, I am the ultimate suburban soccer mom, mm-hmm. and look at me. First
0: mother of school-age children- to ever serve on the U.S. Supreme yeah. Court.
1: So uh, if, they, if they're going to attack her, I think it just blows up on their face. I mean, if they want to say, I'm not going to participate in this process, I think you're ram riding this thing through. We should wait till after the election and stay on that message and not participate in the process. That's one thing. If they start going after Amy Coney Barrett, I think they risk this thing really blowing up. Just like I think Biden risks having more debates with Trump if he does well tonight.
0: See, I, I think they would like to do that. I, I think that, you know, I understand she's a space cadet and everything else, but, but, you know, at some point, Nancy Pelosi did not become the first female Speaker of the House, not once but twice, because she has an IQ of 14. Okay? Right? At some point, there was something there. Sh- there was some shrewdness there. Can we at least agree to that? Sure. Okay. I am sure, quietly alone in their cloakrooms, they have said to each other everything that you just said. Okay? Let's not blow this thing up Let's win this next election. We will get to a point, the next two, maybe three Supreme Court justices. Okay. It's just the the problem they have, and this is why they couldn't rein in the squad when they tried to do that too. The The problem they have is that their cable news outlets are, are losing their minds and their blogosphere and social media outlets are losing their minds over this. And the tail wags the dog now on both the right and the left. You know, it used to be that Partisans in the media looked for political activism that they could then market and sell on their platforms. It's in reverse now that the politicians are preemptively trying to conjure up content for their media platforms to to
1: drive after the fact. So can I be on Don Lemon's show
0: tonight? Yes. And this happens on the right and the left. I've had Republicans names you in the audience would know. Look me in the eye and say, Steve, we can't do that. It won't get us on Fox tonight. OK, this works right and left. And I just have a hard time believing that they're going to be slicing their spleens open on their cable news networks and over on Vox and Slate. And, and meanwhile, the Senate's on the, the senators, the Democratic senators on the Judiciary Committee are going to be, you know, we just don't approve of her nomination, but we respect the process and we're tapping.
1: I just I can't see that. It, it, well, well, and history shows that they do not have the temperament to stay focused. They are going to outkick their coverage. They're going to get out over their skis and they're going to start attacking Amy Coney Barrett. It's going to be on things like her Catholicism. It could be, yeah, but you're a conservative woman. Um, I just don't think it's going to work with her.
0: Now, the Catholicism is a big deal, and here is why Independents are not the key swing group, Catholics are. We've actually had two candidates in recent times win independence and lose against sitting presidents. John Kerry narrowly won them over George W. Bush in 2004. Uh, uh, Mitt Romney won him by five points over Barack Obama in 2012 and still lost the election. So I would not recommend someone create a plan to preemptively lose independence and try to win. Like I'm not that's not the easiest route to winning, okay? But it can be done. It can be done. Yeah. and it's been done twice recently. Um, what cannot be done, though, since Roe v Wade is Catholics are the key swing uh, swing vote. Since Roe v Wade, the only time someone has won the presidency without winning Catholics was in 2000, the, the, the Florida recount election that was decided by 537 votes. It was the first time in about 150 years someone had won the electoral college without the popular vote. So you're talking about a statistical outlier. Mm-hmm. And what will be fascinating here is, and you would know how to speak to this more than either Bob or, or I would, Todd, as the Catholic here, but you have a Catholic running in Joe Biden that almost never gets mentioned, by the way. You have a Catholic running in Joe Biden. What happens to the Catholic vote if, if they, well, repeat Diane Feinstein, the dogma lives uh, loudly within you. If we get two weeks of that at our confirmation hearings right before the election,
2: well, I'm not. This is something I'm simultaneously very proud of and ashamed of. That the Catholic vote is the swing vote that you talk about because it's the swing vote for all the wrong reasons. I mean, sure. we're the we're a 400. There's more Protestants in this country than there are Catholics. But if you consider Catholicism a denomination we are the largest denomination and you know we collectively we can put our thumb on the scales however we want to in that tribe but we're always up for grabs because we are double-minded in all our ways and so that's frustrating because there are so many issues catholics could take off the table if we wanted if we were catholic so uh you know it, that's a lot of this has a lot to do with joe biden and it's it people you know he, he people are, have spoken about him as a uh committed catholic they pull that thing out just like they pull any and all issues out when it benefits them so how comfortable they're going to be doing that, though, in the next two weeks, the level you, they can't do it without grotesque levels of hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. We all know that. I mean, they, 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 we can't be talking about the importance of uh, Roe v. Wade to their cause and so, talk about what a robust Catholic is. So then it's going to be up to us. Just like you. Why were you mad last? What are we going to decide mm-hmm. to frame and how?
0: By the way, so that's a, that trend is 11 presidential elections, Bob, 10 out of 11. And the only one that didn't hold was in the outlier, one of the outlier elections in American history. So that's a pretty solid trend.
1: I think, it's, I think it's very telling, though, even to Todd's point, that you have a candidate for president, Joe Biden, who's Catholic, but it rarely gets mentioned. Why? Because they're not so sure he believes what he really believes to be really true. But Amy Coney Barrett? who's a freshly you know, appointed, nominated Supreme Court right justice.
0: Right from Notre Dame, which is Catholic Valhalla.
1: Austin, yeah. she's, so, she's Catholic. Why? Because she believes what she believes. be re- That's what you're saying. She represents that 400-pound gorilla that could put the thumbs on the scale. I don't mean that as her as a Supreme Court justice, but as the Catholic body overall. But when you're split like this, that's what Joe Biden represents way more than what Amy Coney Barrett represents. So it puts Biden in a very tough spot, though, because are you going to attack her because she really believes in your faith's tenets and virtues and values and beliefs?
0: If Trump wins re election, I think he's going to appoint three more justices. I, I, I really believe that's true. I think true. he will promote, uh, he will appoint Sonia Sotomayor's successor. Um, I'm trying, who's the elder statesman? Breyer. Uh, Breyer, thank you. He'll appoint him. And I think he'll appoint Clarence Thomas' successor. And I think there's a chance he could appoint Alito's at the same time. Mm. I think if Joe Biden wins, then then he will appoint Kagan and Breyer's successor. And then it's a matter of, do Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito try to hold on for four more years uh, to avoid uh, that prospect uh, that would happen to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, basically, with her passing. Can you imagine just... You know, you and I were one of the first people that ever got talked to by Donald Trump about running for president years ago. (laughs) That first time you went out to Trump Tower to talk to him back in 2011 or whatever it was.
1: It was 2011.
0: Can you imagine if you would have came back and I'd have told you, Bob, I think one day Donald Trump's going to appoint six out of nine U.S. Supreme Court justices. How about them apples?
1: Uh, Unbelievable. And like them at the same time. And like the appointments. Uh, that's why I tweeted out over the weekend, you know, whether you like Donald Trump or not, he's probably the most consequential president in my lifetime.
0: If you six out of nine, he will.
1: And 200 plus federal federal justices yeah, point. and yeah. the embassy to Jerusalem Agreed. and the Abraham Accords. There's been so much that has been done. He's been a very consequential president. He's
0: the most consequential Republican president since Reagan. Because Obama he's done did a lot what of he this. said he was going to do. Yeah, Obama did a lot of this for the left's infrastructure. Sure. Yeah, they they lost a crap load of legislative seats around the country, but the, the regulatory uh, bureaucracy and things that he put into yeah. I mean, he moved, the, he moved the needle for them, no question about that. You
1: know, the irony scale after the Amy Coney Barrett nomination and seeing the shift going to the right is now you're seeing Democrats talking about the court should not have this much power. And I'm thinking, amen, thank you for coming to our side finally. But 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 it also shows that intellectual honesty is just,
0: the times they argued against us on things like that, they were lying then. And the stuff that they're saying now that maybe judicial supremacy is a bad idea, they're lying now. It's, It's classic Marxism. Just say whatever you have to say in order to get the power that you want to have.
1: So if it's not stacked, the court... They should not have that much power. Yes, yes.
0: All right, 30 seconds. Your prediction on the big story, 11 o'clock Eastern tomorrow night. What 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 is everybody across... By turn on the cable news networks, all three of the big ones, and turn on Blaze TV, everybody's talking about what tomorrow at 11 o'clock
1: Eastern. They're going to say Vice President Pence is coming to the Family Leaders event on October 1, Thursday, which they, which he is. Get to our website, thefamilyleader.com, take a look at it. I think what's going to be is that it's going to depend what tribe you go to. I think if you go to CNN, they're going to say Biden cleaned house. I think if you go no to, matter what. I mean, yep.
0: Biden can sit here and do this exactly. for for two hours, and they're they're going to yeah. say that no and, matter. And what. I believe okay.
1: if you go to Fox News, it's going to be Trump dominated. I, I really believe that's where we're at today. Uh, All right, and, then
0: predict what you because you know I won't do that no, right. either way. So predict what you think I'm going to be talking about at eleven o'clock Eastern tomorrow on the Blaze. Uh,
1: I really, I really hope you're talking about that. Trump came off presidential. He came off very principled. He came off very firm in his beliefs, and you could tell he's been president for four years. It's one thing to be campaigning for an office you never held. It's another thing to be deb- to be debating an office that you've held for four years. He knows these issues, believe it or not, better than Joe Biden does. Great stuff, brother.
0: Thank you. Appreciate it. I hope you're right about that too. By the way, we right. will come back with hour two. It's our monthly Facebook Ask Me Anything for our weekly town hall coming your way next right here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Back with hour two live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin. Aaron McIntyre, and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox, steve at com, D-E-A-C-E, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at steve Dace show. over on Parlor at stevedace, and then youtube.com slash stevedace. That's our new YouTube channel, which will remain new until we have a number of, the number of subscribers that we think warrants it being acknowledged as no longer so. And we're not there yet. So we're just going to pretend we're Democrats and we're just going to keep calling it new until we get the subscriber number that we like. And then we'll just refer to it as such. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Also, don't forget, if you are a, or not yet, a Blaze TV subscriber, this is a great week to do it. we got tons of debate coverage here on your way. In fact, I'm heading down to Dallas after today's show to help uh, anchor tomorrow's coverage on Blaze TV. Go to blazetv.com and use the promo code DEBATE to get 20% off. Massive discount. Comes out to like 7 bucks a month or something for a year to get Blaze TV. So you don't miss any of our debate coverage tomorrow night. Again, promo code DEBATE when you go to blaze tv.com promo code debate also if you're a podcast listener we love you make sure that you hit that subscribe button for us leave us a five-star review if you haven't done those things yet heck if you have just keep doing it anyway and thank you to all of you that have done those things for us once or maybe even a couple of times all right let's get to it it is our weekly town hall uh, since it's the last monday of the month though it's our monthly facebook ask me anything brought to you by our friends over at patriot mobile you know, if the left wants to embrace cancel culture, maybe we can give them a taste of their own medicine. Cancel your leftist supporting cell phone provider and make the switch to America's only conservative cell phone carrier that's patriot mobile they share your values they will never charge you hidden fees and unlike big mobile they won't send your hard-earned money to leftist pagan causes like planned parenthood or other such fiendish endeavors get the same reliable nationwide service and at the same time support a company that loves this country and supports your values shares them in fact as well as our constitution. Switching is easy. Keep your phone number, bring your own phone, buy a new one. Right now, when you join their family of freedom-loving Americans, you can get a free activation plus a free gift with the offer code STEVE. So a free activation plus a free gift with the offer code Steve. When you call 972-PATRIOT, that's 972-PATRIOT, and use the offer code Steve. Or go to their website, patriotmobile.com slash Steve. That's patriotmobile.com slash Steve. And remember that veterans and first responders, you can save even more at Patriot Mobile as well. All right, let's get to it. Questions selected by Todd, not yet seen by me, and shared by Aaron.
3: We'll start with Peter Singleton, who says, Not a question, just a thank you for the great, succinct, and useful analysis on Glenn Beck's Revolution show this past Wednesday. I felt like I was back in Iowa in late 2010 and early 2011, driving around the state listening to your show in the afternoon on the blowtorch that's reached most of the state.
0: Well, that's very kind, and I've, now I'm afraid if, if, if Todd decided to lead off with uh, an attaboy... I can only imagine what I am being softened up as a lamb led to slaughter for what is coming next. Okay, because that's not typically how we roll around here. Or was I giving you a vibe like I could? I just really needed a helmet sticker.
2: No, no, no. No, okay. oh, I mean this was a you. You spoke openly about how fantastic uh, the show was, so I just wanted to give you a if chance. I do say so
0: myself, well, right?
2: Yeah, well, and Glenn show, so I'll give you a chance to reset. If there's anything in particular, particularly considering the news of the last weekend and what's coming up with the debate. You know, you know Glenn's mind as well as anybody. So,
0: well, what we talked about when, uh, what what Glenn did on last Wednesday was uh, a two part episode, and I was on part two on uh, the left's plan for a civil war. And we've been talking on our show for well over a year now that we are, we believe, in a cold civil war. And because we believe that, that does alter our analysis, meaning, I had a text back and forth with a good buddy of mine who uh, him and I have, have been on the same. We have, we have been in the the trenches together on several fights, including that retention election that uh, Peter referenced. We're still the only state in American history that threw out three Supreme court justices. And it wasn't over moral turpitude or malfeasance, but because of the disagreement with their opinions on the issue of marriage. We're still the only state in the history of America that has done that by popular vote to Supreme Court judges. And I played a, a role in that. And the guy that led that fight was just on our show, Mr. Bannerplot. And uh, a good buddy of mine who was instrumental in helping us win that fight as well, him and I had a text back and forth about some of his still justifiable reservations about Trump. He even gave me some names of some female judges that he thought would be better Then Amy Coney Barrett didn't think she was terrible, but just thought we could have done better. And we might've, I trust his analysis. I'll defer to him on that. And he wanted to know why I wasn't raising more of a stink about it. And I said, it's, it's, it's because my meta narrative analysis that we came to on our show well over, well over a year ago, maybe even a couple years ago now is that we are in a cold civil war. In fact, it was a couple of years ago now because I, my likely one and only appearance on Brian Stelter's show was, back in what, June of 2018 with the almost, uh, the mass, or the attempted mass assassination sure. of those Republican congressmen. And I had mentioned that I thought it could be a, an Archduke, Archduke Ferdinand moment for our culture if right. that had happened. And I think we're even closer to that powder keg going off now. Uh, I think we're, we're a group of BLM activists just rolling up on the wrong restaurant table in the wrong neighborhood before uh, uh, the bullets start flying. I mean, I, I, I thought we were maybe a half hour away from it a couple years ago I think we're minutes maybe even seconds away from it now and I'm afraid of what that means in terms of the future we hand off to our children with with the collateral damage that goes along with that I mean I think it's 1860 right now I, I do and that that meta analysis could be wrong and I hope that it is frankly but because it's what I think, and it is my analysis that I've come to on my own, and frankly came to before a lot of people started throwing those words and and terms around in recent months and in the last year. Because of that, um, I also therefore think if it's 1860 again, we don't have the luxury of some of the finer points I've wanted to make about things that I've made in the past. If we're that close to the edge then some of the more philosophical notions that are still very principled and matter don't matter as much in a moment like that and and ultimately as him and I were going back and forth on our text on that that on Saturday we finally came to the conclusion he doesn't share that analysis which is fine and I hope that he's right but that is my analysis and it is what I really think and and Glenn tapped into that with his two-part episode on, uh, here on Blaze TV. And on the second part, he had me talking about why I don't believe in the polls. They might be right. I'm not saying they're not right. What I'm saying is the methodology is a scam. They might be right in the way that a broken clock is right twice a day, the way that an economist who predicts every year there's going to be a recession and eventually we have one, then says, well, I'm right. I told you for 20 years when I was wrong that we were going to have. But but the methodologies, and I cited several of these specifics on Glenn's radio program this morning. Uh, I mean, the idea that Trump is going to lose 11 points of evangelical support, no, he won't. The idea that only 14% of the electorate is going to be white evangelicals, when since we've been keeping the stat, it has never been below 23%. Not going to happen. I mean, yes, by all means, white evangelicals are going to watch, rioting in the streets, their churches shut down, and Trump nominate the only one of his three justices that we know for sure is a vote against Roe and the only response they're going to have is to show up in fewer numbers than they did in 2016, that's not gonna happen, guys, okay? Biden winning independence by 21 points in the last seven presidential elections, and I only go back to 1992, because that's when the current environment on the electoral college of a lot of the states that Democrats could and couldn't win and Republicans could not couldn't win really go back to that election. You go back any earlier than that, and you're really going into eras where, you know, uh, Ronald Reagan could win places and um, uh, Michael Dukakis could win places that they couldn't win today, okay? So in those seven presidential elections, the biggest blowout was 2008, Barack Obama. And he won independence by eight points. But yeah, Joe Biden's going to win him by 21. Come on, guys. Not going to happen. Not happening. Not so does that mean, does that mean then? And, and the same poll that had him losing by independence by 21 only had him losing by 10, which is and not an only. So if he only loses independence by nine, so that, that means Trump wins. Trump's not winning if he loses independence by nine points, guys. He's not winning. Okay. The methodology doesn't add up. So we're going to have, Trump's going to get 39% of the Hispanic vote, but he's going to get less of the white working class vote. That makes sense to you? No. no. You know why it doesn't make sense? Because it doesn't. Because it, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's not happening. So they, they might end up being right on November the 3rd. They might be. But it won't be for any of the reasons and any of their methodologies. And I mean any of them. Any of them. And so one of two things is possible here. Well, one of three things. They all really suck at this simultaneously. Uh, number one. Number two. Um, and this is this is the only other option I gave you when we talked about this last week. They're just setting the stage to nullify the election by saying Trump cheated to win. We had all this data that showed he was way behind and look at the result. I guess, you know, because I'm, I want to, when it's at all possible, live in peace with everyone. There is a third option. The third option is that the, the voting electorate is so um, unsettled that they're having a difficult time determining what the turnout will actually be who which groups will turn out and how much and and so they're trying to nail jello to a door here's why i don't believe it's that because these are smart people and they have to know that trump winning 39 percent of the hispanic vote would mean there's no possible way he could lose the election okay no possible way and yet they put out those results anyway that's why I don't. That's why I'm hesitant. I was very hesitant to give him a third benefit of the doubt option, because it kind of plays into number one. Then you're just all dumb and suck at this. So that's what we went over on Glenn's show uh, uh, last week that Peter's talking about.
3: Up next, Trevor Koall, who asks, can you please revisit the Christian take on the morality of self-defense? To my knowledge, the topic has not been covered by yourselves since Stoneman Douglas, that's the Florida school shooting.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: What may have seemed like a hypothetical thought exercise to the audience at that point is feeling frighteningly close to home today.
0: Um, uh, You have a, a right to self-defense. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm, tr- I'm not trying to be flippant. Um...
2: This is, let Can you, me help uh, you. Uh, yeah, yeah, I
0: think uh, we need to narrow this question you, down. Let me
2: help you, because okay. in a lot of Christians' minds, and this uh, this is tied into how people, I, I, I think about what we just uh, uh, dealt with last week, uh, about how, you know, do I always have to listen to the government? This mm-hmm. is, think of it in terms of this way. Would Jesus have owned a gun, Steve? I mean, I think people really, I know him for a fact now I, I'm he's a lefty. confident that he would not, like, because
0: he, but, he spoke the universe into existence, and but, he is self defense incarnate. I, but, I don't think he needs one. But people have been you.
2: so worked over about: Do I okay. have to legitimately just die? No matter no matter how much evil comes at me, okay. do I simply just need to take the punch in the face or the bullet in the mouth? Okay.
0: And and well, first of all, let's state the obvious: there are times for believers to do that. Yes, that's, that's how we have martyrs, of course. saints. Right? We have those things in those moments because there are there are times to do that. Okay. Um, to everything there is a time and a season. At one point, Christ gives his followers swords when he sends them out two by two to be to evangelize. Then there's another time when Peter brandishes the sword in Gethsemane. He says, hey, uh, you live by the sword, you die by the sword, okay? So there to everything there is a time and a season, all right? But um, there were exceptions for self-defense in the Levitical law, for example. I mean, this is... I, I would I, I'd have to do an entire show on this if you really wanted me to 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 do an articulation of it, it would it would be an entire theology Thursday because the idea of a right to self de- to self defense is inherent uh, to the Judeo Christian worldview okay I mean when when Christ said I lay down my life of my own free will I lay it down of my will now why did he lay his life down though. To, it was a defense for us, in defense of us, to, to die the death we all deserve, to pay the penalty we should have paid, okay, and then to um rise again to live the life that we were meant to live. That was the point of that. Okay? Why did the disciples do that? For the exact same reason. Okay. Um, but the idea, therefore, that that calls for pacifism biblically when you don't, these are the reason why these are examples of saints. The reason why the example is so um, illustrious with Christ is because it's rare. A- aside from these moments of grace and mercy, the, the bedrock assumption has been you have a right to self-defense that pacifism is not inherent to Christianity. Um, lawfulness is, you don't have a right to vigilantism, but you have a right to self-defense. And I think maybe that's the question we probably should be debating, is what where do we cross the line from vigilantism to self-defense, right? I think that's, that is a better question that we probably have not debated in the past on a Theology Thursday that we probably should tackle in the future, you know, I mean is it is it self defense for example if the pedophile if the neighborhood pedophile gets off on a technicality and some of the fathers in the neighborhood take matters into their own hands to make sure he is no future threat to the children is that self defense or vigilantism i think that's a debatable question and i think we need to have those kinds of debates okay because I think you're heading into that level of lawlessness here in the future with California and what, what they want to do on these things that are being exported around the country. But but the idea that there is no self-defense in the Christian faith, I I mean, there's a reason why there's been a... It's, it's, it's a, a, a stubborn yet small strain of passivism in Christianity historically. Because it's just not part of orthodoxy to believe that. You have to really strain the word of god to come to that conclusion i mean even if you want to say well i'm going to follow christ's example well which example because when he returns what is he coming back with a sword Um, and a robe dipped in blood he's coming back to wage war when he returns it is to settle accounts not to defer your payment upon himself. The next time he read, when he comes back, it is to settle accounts, and it will be done in a provocative, confrontational matter. He is coming back to wage final war on the forces of evil. So then, which Christ-like example are you referring to? Then I, I just I. I'm, I'm sorry, I know, am, am I meandering here? Because I just don't think there's, if you have a specific question, I don't think there's any biblical argument for passivism at all. I, I just think one does not exist. It, is there one that you would like me to tackle or that, that has been cited that I would, I'll, I'll be happy to, but I don't think this argument exists. I think if you want to voluntarily practice it and you think it's a great witnessing tool, I'll respect your convictions and won't stand in your way. I'll even probably assent to the fact that a lot of the man-made causes that we as believers could act to fight in aren't worth fighting for. I'll even assent to that historically. But as a rule, as as providential, as revelation, that we are to not practice self-defense, that a father is not to defend his wife and children, that we are to not defend the lamb being led away to slaughter, but just to let them go. I just have no idea how you can make that case from the scriptures. And if someone in the future has a question along those lines, if there's like a Mennonite listening or something uh, that wants to ask me or a quicker, I'd be happy to tackle your best defense because I've not seen one that I think is credible.
3: Moving on, Arlen Showalter says, why is it that when conservative politicians make their appeal for votes, they nearly always frame their approach toward a demographic that is largely evangelical in nature, but where the rubber meets the road and they have to select a judge who will uphold originalist thinking demanded by the same conservative demographic, the only judges found worthy of such a calling are nearly always Roman Catholic.
0: I am trying to think of uh, I mean, Gorsuch is Protestant, but he he goes to a very, very left wing Episcopalian church. So that almost like, that almost like doesn't count. <laughs> okay, so um, as I'm trying to think, has there ever been? I mean, the term evangelical really dates back to the ascendancy of Billy Graham. Kind of the new fundamentalism, meaning we have all the same fundamentals of the old fundamentalism, but we don't hate talk technology like radio and TV. Okay, I mean, that's that's kind of what the term originally meant. So the term is about a half a, a little more than half a century old in the American mainstream. So has there been, and I I I, I have to look this up. Has there been a single Supreme Court nominee? Or justice that identified as evangelical. Can you think of
2: one? I can't. No, I can't. Um, you and I had a conversation about this we privately did. over lunch way back yeah. in the day. And and uh, let me paraphrase and just let you run with that. Because you basically gave a version of, and this. it's ironic because I think it was Tertullian way back in like the fourth century but brought up what has Athens to do with Jerusalem mm-hmm. and there's kind you there's kind of an evangelical tradition uh, and it's ironic considering you are Mr. Worldview guy mm-hmm. of you know our, our our worldview is the Bible alone and so a, a holistic embracing of all that is clearly Catholic throughout the centuries is almost like a, a purposeful Attempt by the evangelical. That's what screwed us up in the per se. We got too worldly. And so yeah. we, I think that's it.
0: Yeah. I, well, I, there's there's two reasons why I think we've not had an evangelical nominee. The one is I think there is a fear of because there's no, there's no, there's not the length of ideological diversity on politics within evangelicalism that exists within Catholicism, okay? You're going to have a hard time finding somebody who out and about is pro-abortion and identifies as evangelical and has any credible audience at all. At all. At All right? Just not happening. Like, Like, a, like you could get elected as a politician and be evangelical and pro-abortion like you can be Catholic. It just can't happen, okay? I mean, you're going to find... Like, you know, Jen Hatmaker and others are going to, you're going to find several more that are, that attempt to be pro-gay and still hold to some form of evangelical relevancy. But the idea that there's a pro-abortion evangelical leader of any repute, renown or politician just, it cannot happen. And so if you nominate an evangelical, you're only, it's, it's, it's brazen what this is about. You know what I'm saying? it it, there's no other way around it to make an argument you go back to what happened with russ vote when he got nominated for assistant budget director uh from and he he came from wheaton college so you think jesus is the only way right like in in some strains of catholicism i think you guys have a doctrine called baptism by desire or something where if somebody had, had lived a righteous life then it indicated that they, that that maybe they did not know Christ, but there was a desire. Am, am I am I am I anything close to what here or that or
2: as long as not, nothing of that takes away that Christ is ultimately the right. one that saves. But, but it's you within
0: could, you would have a chance in purgatory or someplace in order to find redemption or something like that. Right, ba-
2: right. Based on the life that you yeah. lived, knowing what you knew, that is non-existent
0: in evangelicalism. I mean, if you don't know Christ as your Savior before your dying breath. That's your first and only and last chance, and so nominating an evangelical, there aren't any get out of jail free cards, if they're a real one. There aren't any ways to be too smart by a half, like when Antonin Scalia and Clarence Thomas both gave uh, wimp out answers on Roe v. Wade in their confirmation hearings. Both of them did, but because of the i, because of their, they're both Catholic there was at least some way to smooth this or or, or or find an excuse for why they did this other than we're just saying this to get nominated to or to get confirmed, which we all knew was the case, but they could have come up with an alternative answer. An evangelical could not do that. You can't say I'm evangelical sola scriptura, so let me not answer the most poignant questions you have on these matters. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's it, it would be, it's a full-on confrontation, full-on, and there's no way around it. And frankly, most Republicans, including probably the one in the White House here, are just either not interested equipped or capable um or ballsy enough to go there. That's one answer, okay? That is the answer we cannot control within reason. We have some control, which is, hey, we're the reason you guys keep getting elected, so give it we want one of our own. That's one answer. The other problem we have with it though is when a true evangelical Christian worldview is applied to the law, then you end up with somebody like Judge Roy Moore who is anathema to this system. They just cannot permit it. What you're watching Anthony Fauci do with Scott Atlas right now is what that kind of a, of legal belief system, okay? Like we're actually going to follow the common law system They just could not even, they can't even compute it. And he'd be hated by a lot of his own fellow blankety blank or or fill in the blank conservatives as Moore was even before the Washington Post or story about what may or may not have happened at county malls in Alabama in the 70s. He was hated by these people even before that, even before and then or the other problem we have is is until the 1980s really American evangelicalism did not take intellectualism seriously as a as a enterprise that the i mean guys the the other than the bible the the, the best selling book on on evangelicalism for dec- for 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 more than a decade, was how Lindsey's the late great Planet Earth, which incorrectly predicted when Jesus, why Jesus would return in 1988. Next to the Bible was the second best selling nonfiction book of the 1970s in America. It wasn't Catholics buying that? We bought all those books. I mean, that, that I mean Francis Schaeffer went all around the country trying to get evang in the 70s, trying to get evangelicals to take intellectualism seriously because they weren't.
2: Heck, even voting. I mean, before the moral majority. Before the moral majority of
0: Roe v. Wade, we weren't even a a, a political entity in
2: America. And Catholics have been since the time they got off the
0: boat. Yes. So if your average Supreme Court judge today in 2020 is 50 years old, that would have meant they were in law school 30 years ago or 25, 30 years ago, which means we'd be in the nascent embryonic stages of evangelical intellectualism. And there's a reason why, Chuck, you know, there's a reason why, um, uh, who am I thinking of from Watergate?
3: Uh, oh, uh, man, Ch-
0: uh, Charles uh, Colson. Colson, Chuck Colson. There's a reason why, when Francis Schaefer passed away, Chuck Colson almost literally walked out of a prison cell and stepped right into those shoes. Because there wasn't like 25 other Francis Schaefer's willing to pick up that baton. See, this is what happens with the abandonment of tradition. And that's the conversation that you and I had. I am not in favor of the abandonment of tradition. I don't think it's on par with scripture. If I did, I'd go to church with Todd, but I don't. But I'm not in favor of abandoning it either, because that's where the layers of the intellectual application of what we believe are applied and learned and taught and learned from and passed on to future generations. So we all just decided that no one was a Christian until Luther nailed those 95 theses to a wall. So we just told Augustine and Arrhenius and Aquinas and all these people, you mentioned Tertullian, we just told them all, hey, uh, see, you wouldn't want to be a, we, an Aquinas, what's that? We don't know. We think natural law started with Locke. Aquinas was writing about that centuries before John Locke, John Locke was a gleam in his mama's eye, Okay we abandoned all of that intellectual tradition largely. And so we almost had to create a a whole new layer of evangelical intellectualism on the fly in just the last couple of decades. So we're behind the curve intellectually. So some of it is our own fault. And then some of it is the political system is just afraid to nominate one of us because it will lead to a full on head on fight That there's no way to kind of soothe and ginger your way around. It's just bone on bone. Does that answer the question? Oh, yeah. That's a great question, by the way. I'm surprised I've not gotten that question before. That was a great question. We'll come back. More of our monthly Facebook Ask Me Anything here in a moment. You know, people do all kinds of cool things for their dog uh, in order to make them feel better, healthier, walk the dog, running with the dog. Uh, Feed the dog, you know, another thing your dog needs. Nutrients, vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, pre and probiotics, omega oils, and the list goes on. And I can tell you, though, they're probably not getting it from that store-bought food. That stuff is probably as dead as a doornail once it leaves the factory. Sterilized for the same reason a lot of the food we eat these days is sterile, so that it can be uh, available for mass production and mass consumption with a long shelf life. That's why I've been telling you about Rough Green's Vita Smart. It isn't a dog food, but a supplement that puts all that good stuff back in the food your dog already loves. And apparently makes it taste even better, according to our dog, Cap. He loves this stuff. But it also promotes a happier and healthier lifestyle. So you can give your dog the Rough Green's 14-Day Jumpstart Bag today for just $14.95 and see. If you don't see the difference in your dog in 14 days or less, When you go to roughgreens.com slash blaze. That's R-U-F-F for com slash blaze. Again, roughgreens.com slash blaze. I need to thank somebody here. Monique Battaglia just sent us a treasure trove
2: of pumpkin spice stuff. This is why I just tweeted about you. This is the way. Yeah, there's a little... Extra strut in his step right now. I yeah. am.
0: So Monique, thank you very, very much. Um, there's even a thing with pumpkin spice cups instead of peanut butter cups.
3: You're like Bubba and Forrest Gump going I down the list of, of of ways you can do shrimp. You can fry. You, you can, can saute, pumpkin spice can boil, coffee. Pumpkin yeah. spice tea. Absolutely. Pumpkin spice cups.
0: Yeah, I'm a I'm a pig in slop right now. So I wanted to thank Monique before I forgot. Thank you, Monique.
3: All right, Aaron, you're up.
0: Let's continue with our Ask Me
3: Anything. Eric Walker is next who asks, Steve, can you still be friends with your Catholic co-host if you said slash believed that you can't believe Roman Catholic doctrine and be saved? Specifically, Canon 9 of the Council of Trent says if anyone says you are saved by grace through faith, you are damned, which contradicts Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Are you compromising your beliefs for your job? (laughs) Of course, pick this
2: question. Oh. let me sum that up. Why does Todd work there again? That's, <laughs> yeah. nice. By the way, just see here's what the game we play. It just it's can you put that up, Aaron, so I can oh, uh, I'm sorry. I, uh, it it doesn't say there, there's a clever little word missing, and it's ironic because Steve is then gonna have to go into what he's talked about in the past about what Sola scriptura means because it says save by, through grace grace through faith the word you left out is alone it's that's the thing it talks about it is making a claim to the more dynamic view of this that catholicism has always had that steve and i have openly debated about on this in good faith and charity many many times you left that important word out um so now Steve's going to have to argue from a catholic point of view because you and charity didn't put that word there. I
0: I don't it I don't know why I cannot be friends with somebody I don't agree with on everything. Number 1. Um I openly point out areas where we disagree in fact ironically just, I just did. Yes, I. I just did. Just did. So, no, is my answer. No, I. It. I don't know how else to answer other than, no.
2: This is like just like we talked about with the gun thing, uh, like we talk about uh in other aspects of uh applied Christianity. I don't like this really. In this day and age, this is still the thing. Like, this is a question that both tribes, with a genuine love for Jesus, I—I I, I mean, what I, what's preferred? Like, th- th- a total shunning is—is I mean, is everything else a distraction, and we need to get back to—I don't—a I don't, uh, Bloody Mary. I'm not and,
0: big, and I can't ever remember. Is it ecumenical, or is it how is it pronounced? Is it ec? It's ec, ecumenical, right? Ecumenicalism. Okay, yeah. yeah, I'm not even like we don't like. No, openly champion that kind of stuff on our show. I don't believe in watering down your differences or anything of that nature. I'm totally fine with come now and reason together, uh, and let's find out what everybody believes, and let's have it out in the open, and have those conversations. Um, I just, I mean, I, I s- don't understand. What's the point of his question? If I, I, I can answer it better if I knew. If the point is I can't be friends with somebody I disagree with, then my answer I- is no.
2: I just, in light of what we are talking about right now in the news cycle, mm-hmm. Amy Coney Barrett. I mean, I assume, but he, she should not be a judge on the U.S. Supreme Court because of how demonic the Catholic cause is, which basically means you're arguing for the same argument that many progressives are right, progressive women are right now. I mean, I don't, I, I just think it's fascinating. Like I, most, we just get in our way, our own way so much. Yeah, I,
0: I think there's much better arguments and ways to frame them with one another than that question I'm,
2: um so no i mean in watching this show i've been on it for six years i have you, are we not together on this i mean is not is steve not a friend to the catholic church Am i not a friend to the evangelical i don't like what are we doing he you the question i just it ended with uh, me and my job and is it appropriate i i don't know wow
0: i i, I <sighs> I mean, how do I... I don't know the answer to that question because I think the answer is no. You're, in a way, you're asking me to enforce a form of a papacy here on the show where I have to... I determine what doctrines and creeds are fundamental to the program and everyone must align with that. Otherwise, they cannot be accepted. And I mean, the reason I believe I'm 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 a Protestant is I don't believe in a papacy. If I did, I'd go to church with Todd. And so it seems to me like you have more in common with him than I do. All right? So I'm not sure what the issue is. And I can promise you, you've studied a hell of a lot more about the Council of Trent than I have. So props to you on that.
2: Well done. I think we've had our fun here. Okay. Okay.
3: Next up, Mike Brinson. This weekend, Dwayne The Rock Johnson endorsed the Harris campaign. <laughs> I like that little phrase there. <laughs> Although I always heard he leaned to the right of the political spectrum. How much do celebrity endorsements sway a presidential election? I assume they stand to motivate uh, to motivate otherwise disinterested voters on the left, but it's already baked into the cake on that side because everyone already assumes pop culture celebrities are on the political left. Do celebrity endorsements move the needle on the political right?
0: Here's the irony of this, too. It kind of goes back to the question, the way I just answered the last question. Celebrity endorsements move the needle a great deal. On the right. They don't really do anything for the left. I mean, the last event I think Hillary had, it was, I know it was her last event in Ohio. It might have been the last event of her campaign. It was right at the very end, in 2016. She brought out, like, Jay-Z and LeBron in Ohio, remember? She lost the state by nine points. Um, it, it, they don't. I mean, if LeBron James, who ha, who brought the state of Ohio its only professional sports championship, um, in in a half a century. If if well no, because you had the Reds. I forget the Reds were there. I always think of Cleveland. Okay, um, okay. So since the Big Red Machine, so forty years. Um, if if he doesn't move the needle for Hillary Clinton. In his own backyard, then I, I don't know what celebrity endorsements would matter celebrity on the right. We crave this is re- why we react to them so much. This is also why we the minute any kind of celebrity has a Bible verse or shows any sort of interest in us. We lose our damn minds. And glomming on to them we crave celebrity acceptance rush has talked about this for years and he's dead nuts right about it we have we crave it on the right it moves the needle for us so like if Dwayne The Rock Johnson endorsed Trump it would be in like all of our campaign literature today Uh, it would be on every conservative media show today is it on the view today is it on MSNBC today it, it it doesn't move the needle on their side at all. It moves the needle on ours. We care a great deal about it. Uh to the point that probably the two most effective Republican presidents since I've been around were both ce- were, were, we're both celebrity figures. Ronald Reagan was a movie star, still the only president ever to be the head of a union. He was head of the I think it was the the screen, screen actor Actors Guild, Guild. skills so it was yeah. SAG, right? Yeah, and then so. you have of course Donald Trump, the biggest reality TV star and and, and essentially, you know, the Abraham Lincoln of uh, Lifestyles and the Rich and Famous back in the day. So we love the we crave celebrity acceptance on the right. The left, it's just throw another shrimp on the barbie. It doesn't move the needle for them at all.
3: Up next, we'll have Cole Dockweiler, who says, what are your thoughts on the state of play in Pennsylvania? The Trafalgar poll showed Biden ahead by a couple of points. And there's talk of the suburbs going away from Trump. But yet I see people on Twitter, poll watchers and others, saying Trump is looking better because of things like party registration, enthusiasm and Trump's percentage of the minority vote.
0: I think it's possible that both things could be true at once. Now, uh, I think he mentioned a name. And who was that gentleman again? Cole Dockweiler. Cole, props to you. He mentioned the name of a GOP polling firm called the Trafalgar Group. That is a very important name to know down the stretch of the campaign because they were, and it wasn't even close, the most accurate battleground state pollster in 2016. And it wasn't even close. They did a far better job of, of identifying potential and likely Trump voters on election day and their turnout models than anybody else did. And now maybe nobody else wanted to find them. That's, that's possible. Okay, But they were very successful in it. One of the things Trafalgar Group does in its methodology is it asks people, who do you think your neighbors are supporting? And one of the reasons they ask that is because they, 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 want, they, they have a built-in assumption that some people will tell pollsters what they want to hear. It's a little bit like, dear Abby, my girlfriend got pregnant at 16. What advice would you give me for her, when, when what she should do. How should she tell her mom, my girlfriend, right? Hey, I've got this buddy and he has an itch in a sensitive place. Can you think, dad, of a cream he should use? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Okay. So Trafalgar Group has, has a built-in assumption in their methodology that there is a, a percentage of Trump voters that don't want to say to pollsters that they're supporting him because they want to affirm the message of the pollster. And so one of the questions that they ask, and this isn't all of their methodology, there's more to it, but one of the things that they do is ask people, whom do you think your neighbors are supporting? To kind of get an idea. Well, you know, my neighbors like Trump. I mean, I don't, I think he's a racist, but you know, my neighbor's got a Trump sign. You know what I mean? So hmm. that's part of maybe their secret sauce. I will tell you voter registration numbers can be, a, a, can be fool's gold. In 2016, Hillary Clinton was ahead of Obama's 2012 pace with Democrat early voter registrations in North Carolina, Ohio, and Florida. She lost every state, lost every one. Remember, we spent a lot of time talking about those early voting numbers, right? In Nevada, Nevada was the one state where Hillary was outpacing where Obama was in 20 in, in, in 2016 and ended up winning the state. She still only won it though by about 20,000 votes, so it was very close. So yeah, so be careful with that. I mean, I'd rather now I think they're more more um, reliable with Republicans because Republicans don't vote early don't typically vote early anyway. So there's a lot of talk that maybe maybe the first time Obama did it in 08, he was registering a bunch of new voters. But then afterwards, maybe he was just right. Re- Democrats are just registering people that are already going to vote for him anyway. Okay. Um, but un- until proven otherwise, I would be inclined to listen to what Trafalgar Group has to say because they have the track record right now. But, you know, that, that could change. Who knows?
3: Up next, Nick Levender says, I'd really like to know your thoughts on the QAnon movement. A lot of evangelical Christians are wrapped up in it.
0: That's QAnon, actually, right? QAnon, yeah, QAnon. Okay. I don't know much about it. Aaron, you are my witness. The first time I heard about it, I, came, I was doing the sports show with Kurt Schilling. Oh, yeah. Remember this? And he mentioned it. And I, I had to ask him what it was. And so this was like a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't know what it was. I, I, I'm, I'm loosely aware of what it is. I've never visited it. I've never checked it out. And I'll tell you why. Because what, what the left wants to do is to ban people like me from social media is guilt by association. So if I throw out a theory on COVID-19 scamdemic that is on QAnon, they're going to say I got this from QAnon and ban me from every social media platform. That way I can say, you know what? I've never been there. I don't know what's going on there. And I don't. I've never been there. I don't know what's going on there. I couldn't give you an intelligent opinion. I'm loosely aware of it. And the first time I actually heard of it at all was a couple of years ago when Kurt Schilling made a reference to it uh, to me. So that's it. That's it. I can't answer it any other way.
3: All right. Uh, Next, Julie McManus says, what solutions do you think are available to change the schooling systems, especially at university levels, from being weapons of indoctrination to our children and young adults? And how do you see us putting those in place?
0: You're going to have to pressure your state legislatures and your members of Congress to defund them or threaten their funding. Short of that, you have to not send your kids there unless there's a specialized degree that they can't get anywhere else, like doctor, lawyer, something like that. And otherwise, you know, nothing wrong with having a job and doing that instead. So on one hand, we have to hit the supply by not just automatically sending our children to colleges after high school like we're lemmings with no plan. But B, um, we have to hit them on the demand. That's what we're doing. Now you got to hit them on the supply. You got to get your legislators at the state and federal level to threaten their funding. And Anything short of that has no chance of being successful.
2: Including, you know, Trump is now dabbling in this world with um, no, none of the race theory. Yep. What's it called? Critical I mean, race theory that will yeah. defund
0: you. You, you. None of our departments that use that will get any funding. Right. So,
2: bro- more broadly, what do you think about the legislative level just ma- making yeah. broad features? Hey, if, you,
0: if, you, if you teach this sort of uh, seditious material, uh that that does nothing other than incite domestic terrorism you essentially are teaching the american left version of wahhabism yes we won't fund you period and, and, and Always i think, it needs, to be, I think it, needs, it needs to be messaged like Got that it. like you're funding domestic terrorism terrorist propaganda that's another reason to make antifa a, d- a domestic terrorist and all these groups so that you can go after their funding in the way that they're indoctrinating in the schools yeah
3: that's it that was the last question you wanted me to answer there was others but we're out of time okay
0: we're out of here we'll stick around our good friend Jordan Shackle is going to join us in the overtime at BlazeTV.com slash Dace to get the latest on what's going on with COVID-19 until tomorrow I'll be in Dallas you two will be here but we will be together right here on Blaze TV until then John 317 this is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network